Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Fired Up, the hottest sports show in Central Ohio. The show where four sports fans talk sports for the fans. Our topics for this evening are a playoff in this year's PGA Championship, recapping this year's Preakness Stakes, a wild finish at this year's NASCAR All-Star Race, a swing and a miss, checking in on the MLB at the first quarter mark, the Lightning continue their dominance, we review the current second round of the NHL playoffs. Closer and closer to crowning a champion in the NBA. With that, I give you our chief of our fire brigade, Rob Kalf. Thanks, Colton. Good to be here. And man, are we blessed tonight. Braden's back in the studio with us. Yes, sir. It's been a long time. We're back to four, four sports fans doing four sports for the fans. Yeah. Yeah. I got a little tongue tied there. <laughs> uh, so anyway, no, like Colton said, we're going to start out with the, uh, with the PGA championship uh, last weekend and Tulsa, Oklahoma, Southern Hills there, a, a course that Colton had the pleasure of playing a couple of years ago when he was out in, in Tulsa. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you probably saw Justin Thomas won, but, you know, it wasn't without some, uh, you know, some some, some heroics and, yeah, some excitement, some fireworks. So we'll we'll get started with that. Colton, you want to lead us off? Yeah, it was uh, good to see that, uh, you know, I wasn't the only one that struggled on that on that <laughs> course. Even even the professionals, you know, had had their days, but Obviously, they were playing in some some you know drastic conditions. You know, first couple of days looked like you know decent decent weather for them out there, but then Saturday and Sunday really took took a turn for the worse. The wind really picked up. It got pretty pretty cold. The the ball wasn't carrying near it near as you know far as it usually does, or as it had you know the first couple of days. So just a lot of a lot of you know the elements battling the elements that the uh, you know the guys the professionals out there were having to deal with, but. Uh, you know, ultimately, yeah, Justin Thomas, you know, Mr. Mr. Consistent staying, staying there, you know, kind of staying in the, in the hunt all, all four days there and, and, you know, made a heck of a comeback on, on Sunday, mm-hmm. um, you know, coming back from what was it? Five, five strokes uh, seven, down, seven, seven yeah. strokes. Yeah. Seven to start the yeah. day and at one point was down eight strokes. Wow. Well, yeah. So, you know, he, he gets it, you know, with a, with a five under, you know, went to a, went to a playoff uh, against the, you know, another, another guy that's been, you know, in the news here recently, and that's Will, Will Zalatoris. Um, and, you know, it's kind of interesting to see, you know, most of the time that the PGA kind of the playoff is usually kind of a one hole sudden death usually, or, you know, a couple holes sudden death, but it was interesting to see that this year they, they went to uh, kind of a three hole, you know, playoff where they each, you know, they played all three holes. Didn't matter, you know, who won the first hole, who won the second hole kind of thing. They played all three holes and whoever had the lowest score after the three holes was, was, you know, uh, crown they did around 16 17 and 18 correct? yeah i think yeah. so um it, actually it might have been 13 17 and oh, 18 okay. because right. i think 13 and 17 kind of run in parallel with each other so you you finish up kind of on 13 green and, and 17 t boxes right just there. right there so i okay. think that's how they how they get it and i think i think it was two maybe two par fours and a, and a par three in there so you know it interesting and in, in each of those holes i think were some of the most challenging holes you know throughout the throughout the week so Obviously, really... 18 was very challenging for, you know, yeah. the Chilean Mito Pereira. So absolutely he, uh, double bogeyed there at the last hole to finish three over on the back after going two over on the front, lost mm-hmm. five strokes on the final round. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that pressure kind of kind of got to him, you know, young, young kid in there that, you know, wasn't used to, to leading on Sunday or, you know, hadn't felt that pressure of, of leading a major coming into, you know, the last, you know, the last day, the last couple holes there and I mean he admitted it, it got to him he said you know I I, w- I was nervous and then mm-hmm. you know 18 you know I needed to you know par the hole or you know do halfway decent on the hole and and you know just wasn't able able to pull yeah. he, he puts one in the puts one in the water and you know just wasn't able to to really do you know 
obviously had played well throughout the whole day and it came down to the one hole, but that, you know, that's how it goes in golf. It, it's yep. what can you do for, for all, all the holes, not just, you know, for 71 of the holes or 72, you know, rounds or, you know, whatever it's, it's whatever you do the whole, the whole time. And the so whole four days and all 18 holes. <clears throat> right. But uh, know, it, was, it was pretty impressive to see these, these young guys really up there battling. Yeah. I mean, Salatoris is what his second year on the, on the tour. And yeah. Uh, Mito Pereira is a rookie there. So, I mean, right. seeing these young guys really start to take over and it's showing that the new blood can, can hang with the old blood. And, right. I mean, it's, it's just, it's going to make golf more exciting to have that many people who can compete mm-hmm. week in, week oh, out. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Well, cool. And speaking of old blood, you yeah. know, the, I think much to everybody's disappointment, Tiger dropped out, you know, after, a, you know, it, his play three, just got worse. Three grueling rounds. Yeah. And it just got worse as, the, you know, it went on. And you could tell just watching him walk. You know, when they did interview him, he, the, the, the guy was hurting. He, was, mean, he, he was, was in pain. Yeah, um, yeah. But, you know, I mean, once again, I mean, still going out there and then giving it, you know, all all he's got. I mean, it, you know, we're still still coming off of, you know, a freak accident, you know, crazy, you know, accident that he was in. And, and the fact that he's even able to to walk at this point. Walk let alone, 18 holes. And, let, alone and, and, you know, let alone play 18 and, you know, 72 hole, almost, you know, almost, you know, the full the full four rounds. Right. I mean. I think at this point he has to be happy that he's, you know, consistently or, you know, at least the two the two making tournaments the he's making yeah. the cut to yeah. be able to see what, what he can do. But I think, you know, the, the, his game is there because there, there definitely are well, flashes, flashes where he shows that mm-hmm. he's, you know, still got it. It's, I think it's going to be a matter of the, the stamina. Can he can he hold up? Can he keep, you know, keep it going for, for four days? I think yeah. it's where – I, I think another thing maybe you overlook is – you know how focused you got to be on every shot mm-hmm. and that's hard to hard to do when you're in pain oh yeah know? yeah to focus on even you know his short game has always really been his strength being able to play out of trouble and you know uh pitch and and putt and you know but the concentration it, it I, it's got to be tough yeah yeah you know? yeah so and and you know just going back to you know justin thomas you know congratulations to him taking home taking home the trophy the the wanamaker trophy there but two stats that kind of kind of stuck out to me and and I, you know things that I talked about before kind of preview in this is uh Justin Thomas was was second um amongst all golfers in in greens and regulation and and you know that for me was a big stat coming into it because of just the way that these greens play of, of being smaller greens and in a lot of runoffs off the back and you know off the sides you had to be pretty accurate to to you know land it on the green and, and keep it on the green and he was able to do that pretty consistently throughout throughout the whole you know the whole tournament. But then another thing that stuck out to me on on the par fours, minus five, best out of all the golfers the whole the whole week mm-hmm. um, on on par fours at, at five under. So you know, I think that's the that's the difference for me. Um, you know because par threes, I mean typically are, are are birdie holes. Par fives are typically birdie holes. I think really it comes down to what can you do on the on the par, on the par fours. fours to the really set your yeah, yeah to set yourself apart. And I think that was that was Good the difference. Point. Good point. All right, I thought, Brayton, you got anything you want to add on the on the, on the PGA thing there? Yeah, I, I think you guys really said it best. Here. Okay, all yeah. right, very good. Um, now we'll move on to the ponies here. Uh, the 147th run under the Preakness Stakes in uh, at Pimlico Race Course in Baltimore, Maryland. It's the the second oldest race course in the United States. Uh, opened in 1870, so a lot of history there. Um, you know, and there was some surprises and. We all knew that there wasn't going to be a triple crown winner this year because, uh, you know, the winner of the Derby um, early voting, or I mean, uh, uh, I can't think of it. I yeah. wrote it down here. Yeah. Where I wrote it. 
Where, anyways, uh, the owner, Seth Clarman, said that, um, or no, early voting, he said, probably won't run in the Belmont. Okay. And then the owner of Rich Strike, that Rich won Strike, the yeah. had already pulled Rich Strike from, from the Preakness. So, yeah. you know, so, it, you know, but, you know, I think to me, the heartbreak's got to be the epicenters finished second in the two races. So right. maybe. And has been somewhat kind of the, the clear, was definitely the clear favorite coming into this race. This and race, it was yeah, up yeah. there towards the top for the Derby and, mm-hmm. you know, just not able to, to close it out or, you know, step into that winner's circle. Right. So, <laughs> but I mean, the, the two horses that finished one and two, they were, they were the two favorites right. going so in. So, I mean, it wasn't a huge surprise right. that no. the center came in second. Not I mean, like Rich Strike was right. in the Derby. Right. right. Absolutely. And a bunch of people did put odds down on the, the 51 horse Fenwick to, to win this thing, hoping, you know, uh, maybe something would strike twice. Yeah. But yeah, it, it didn't. Fenwick finished right where he was expected to finish in dead, dead last. last. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was, uh, you know, a fast course. It was hot out there, but the yeah. course was in great shape. Mm-hmm. You know, the track was in great shape. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, and it's good to see people out again. They said that they were about half um, pre COVID capacity. So, mm-hmm. you know, people coming back. And I mean, right. that, that's good to see. Yeah, I think probably maybe some of the, you know, fans stayed away just because yeah there wasn't the the uh option or you know the the possibility of a triple crown winner i think that may have deterred you know some mm-hmm. people of, yeah. uh, but obviously yeah rich, rich strike their owner their you know training staff or whatever said that they were instead going to skip this one to you know, get themselves ready to go for for the belmont here uh-huh. in, a, in a couple of weeks yeah. so you know I, I mean that's that's their choice obviously and you know things of that but you know obviously for the for the fans or you know for the average horse racing people they always want to see you know can they make history can they you know do that triple crown it makes you wonder kind of why the horse racing confederation or whatever doesn't kind of stipulate that you win the derby yeah you gotta race yeah yeah. because i i think that does like it kills the whole mystique around the triple Mm -hmm. crown Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. it just makes it another another day at the race another race not something exciting yeah because if you'd have had rich strike come back and win that that preakness, you know, the, the two out, out of the three the outpouring of support that they would have gotten, you right. know, for the, for the Belmont then would have been, right. you know, to see maybe even, even made. more than what, yeah. uh, you know, what they may anticipate mm-hmm. here in a, in a couple of weeks. But, right, right. you know, for me, it was, it was kind of, you know, interesting. I mean, early voting obviously, yeah, was one of the, the, the higher odds, you know, uh, race horses but it was actually only his fourth race ever in his whole career he's only wow. raced four times and he takes home you know one of the big one of the big ones so one the, you know one of the jewels of the right so you know that was that was pretty pretty impressive or pretty amazing to see there but uh you know their their owner is no no stranger to winning here at the preakness back in 2017 he had another horse uh com- cloud computing that uh that won in 2017 so mm-hmm. okay. you know and also, the owner got to celebrate his 65th birthday that day too. Is you know, turn, happy, turn 65 and yeah. wins when his horse wins, and uh, the horse takes home nine hundred thousand dollars. So you know, <laughs> nice little payday yeah. on your birthday. Nice so. Birthday birthday, so. Yeah. All right, um, on to NASCAR. Then you think, fellas? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, we had the All Star race in Texas over the weekend. Um, wasn't for points, just for money. The mm-hmm. Ryan Blaney walked off with a million dollar payoff for winning the race. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it wasn't without some controversy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, Matt, it, what you got? Yeah, yeah. I and mean, really, this race was all Team Penske. You know, like you said, Ryan Blaney took home the victory in a million bucks. But uh, his teammate Austin Sendrick, he uh, ended up in third place. He had won the second stage of the race. Uh, then Ryan Blaney won the third stage, and then their other teammate was uh, Joey Logano. He ended up taking fourth place, and mm-hmm. his pit crew actually won the. The, the pit crew race, yeah, and nice. some pit money crew there. Challenge. Yep. So you yep. know, Team Penske really, really won the day. But 
early on, it didn't look like this was going to be Team Penske's day. It, it actually looked like, um, oh, uh, one of the Bush brothers, uh, Kurt, uh, Kurt, was it Kyle? Kurt, no, yeah, Kyle, Kyle Bush. Kyle. He, he was dominating. He, he led all 25 laps of the first stage. He led the first 18 laps of the second stage, but then disaster struck. He got <laughs> got in a crash, and it, that right. took him out. And it took a lot of a lot of other heavy favorites out too. I believe um, right before that, um, Kyle Larson, Kyle Larson went oh, out, yeah, and yeah, some, he was, some other guys went out as well. He, he so. was the guy that won the All Star race last year, yeah. kind of the the guy that dominated NASCAR last year. So yeah. it was you know a little bit. Uh, well, if you remember right, you know talking about the pit crew winning the, you know, Larson won his championship because of his pit crew mm-hmm. last year right they right. had their fastest pit stop of the of, of the, the race. year yep. and fast fastest one of that day and i think like their second fastest of the year mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. you know don't don't you know discount uh, the, the discount the importance right. of you know a well-oiled pit crew there. right but yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and then this thing got really strange at the end of the race though so uh on the on the final lap of, of regulation time you can say yeah there, there ended up being a caution typically on nascar rules on, on the final lap, you just finish it out. It, and, it, it's over. Right. It, it, you know, you're not restarting. But in, right. the, in the all-star race, they have a two-lap shootout if there's a caution on that final yeah, lap. Yeah, it has to end under green. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. so Ryan Blaney, uh, thinking he won, he takes his uh, safety, uh, safety net down. In NASCAR, if you can't get that thing back up, you're supposed to be going to the pits and let your pit crew do it. You yeah. move to the back of the line. Yeah. Uh, NASCAR let him kind of finagle it himself. It was kind of half hanging on. It yeah. wasn't wasn't really on there like <laughs> yeah. it should be. He was still kind of like trying to put it on as they were getting yeah. ready to restart the race. And, uh, so. and, uh, but uh, the second place guy here, Denny Hamlin, he, he wasn't really happy with, mm-hmm. with that result because right. he, he felt, you know, the rules are the rules. Mm-hmm. And if that if you don't have that thing on there, right. you why, know, why you, do you, you need, need special, pick, special so. treatment here? Um, you know, and, and I, yeah, I, doesn't obviously, yeah. Of course, the guy in second is always going to say, you know, right. and it's not fair, <laughs> you know. But let's see, you know, what, what, what would happen if that was Denny Hamlin right. in the first, you know? Well, and, and Blaney dominated right. the thing; he fully well, deserved to you win. You know, and, and how big a deal would it be if it was for points too? Right? right. Yeah, may, mean, maybe a little bit different if right. we're yeah. we're talking, you know, points were on towards the championship. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and been, even NASCAR said they really shouldn't have even thrown the yellow when they did. It right. should have ended in regulation. Yeah, he was li- literally, you know, yards from the <laughs> yeah. finish line. Right. When, and it wasn't even really a wreck. A guy scraped the wall, right. you know, had some incidental contact with the wall. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. So, was, I, was I, think, I think it all worked out like it should have, even even though it wasn't really textbook. Right. But, so, you know, it made for an exciting race. Yeah, real right. quick, upcoming this weekend is the Coca-Cola 600 in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the night race. Starts at 6 o'clock on Sunday. You can catch that on ESPN. Mm-hmm. Um, Chase Elliott's winning the points right now. Um, yeah. With one win and three top fives. Mm-hmm. Ryan Blaney's in second. No wins, but four top five finishes. And Kurt Busch with a win and four top five finishes. So, right. you know, the Coca-Cola 600 is a... I think it's the longest race of yeah, their... 600 of the, miler, of the, yeah, 600-miler. Uh, race I've been to several times. Charlotte's a great track, very competitive. So, uh, yeah, we're looking for some good racing this weekend. Yeah, right. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. So. Um, well, we're going to do our quick... Take a break for a quick commercial. Uh, stay tuned with us. We'll be, we'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Podbean. Podbean is the easiest way to create your own podcast. We use Podbean to host Fired Up. Download the free Podbean podcast app to start, record, and publish your very own podcast in minutes. Podbean provides everything you need to run your podcast, and you can record and publish episodes directly from the app on your phone. Download the free Podbean app today. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. 
Head on over to Podbean at www.podbean.com and use the code PODCAST21 for your first 30 days of podcast hosting for free. Check it out. And we're back. Thanks for sticking with us. Um, we're going to move on to some way too early Major League Baseball news. Um, <laughs> we're about a quarter of the way through the season, but, you know, there are some trends kind of taking place. Maybe some teams setting them up, you know, setting themselves up for a run. Uh, we kind of did a who's hot and who's not with teams and with players. So, uh, Matt, I'll let you start off this section. Yeah, I did mine kind of like we've done some of the others, the biggest surprise, biggest disappointment, MVP and World Series. I'll start mine off with the biggest surprise. I, I'm going with the New York Mets. They currently have the second best record in, in the MLB at 29 and 16. And, you know, a year ago they didn't make the playoffs. They were kind of up and down and just they're not not looking like the best team. They, they You know, they had some changeover on their roster and, you know, wasn't really sure how this team was going to turn out looking this year. And they're, they're, they're playing great ball. Uh, to me, they've got to be the biggest surprise of this first quarter of the uh, MLB season here. Yeah, All right. Well, I kind of got it um, in my who's hot. I picked all of New York, yeah, okay. because you <laughs> yeah. got you got the Mets, like Matt said, uh, leading the National League East at twenty nine and sixteen. But you also got the boys that wear pinstripes leading the American American League East at thirty and thirteen. So I, to me, you know, New York's a hotbed for Major League Baseball right now, setting up a pretty good, interesting Subway Series between those two teams mm-hmm. later on in the season. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess I'll make it a perfect three for three because my <laughs> my hot team right now is is the Mets as, as well. You know, and you you talked about it last last you know uh, last year, Matt, for the Mets. They you know had a team they thought they had a competitor but just you know weren't able to to get it done and, and make never it never worked out right never never were able to put you know string enough games together to to really make a push for the for the playoffs but so far here through the first you know first quarter they they look good and, and they look good i would say mostly on the offensive side of the ball they're tied for second in a, in total runs scored mm-hmm. uh first in number of hits uh second in rbis and they are tied for first in team batting average so wow. A lot of the, a lot of the, uh, you know, offensive statistics there. They're, they're leading it, or you know, towards the top, at least top five in a lot of the offensive categories. So, I mean, I think they can keep that, keep that going. The one thing I would like to, you know, call out, or you know, something that that might be, you know, something to look at here. Their ace, you know, Max Scherzer did go down with an injury. You know, expected uh, to be out six to eight weeks. I think an oblique strain. Oblique, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So he's out six to eight weeks. Obviously, it'd be interesting to see if the Mets can continue. You know doing doing well here even without you know their star star pitcher i mean they obviously have several other pitchers on the on the roster that are capable of of doing you know good things for them but obviously it's you know never good to lose lose your ace for an extended period of time and you know max is one of the best in the business so you know be interesting to see if the mets can continue you know their hot start even with their ace going it's kind of crazy that their success is on the offensive side when previously we've had previous success it was always that pitching you Mm -hmm. know they had they had Syndergaard yeah, and Degrom, uh, Degrom, yeah. and yeah, they had that Wheeler, you right, know, that, right, that trio mm-hmm. of pitchers, and, right. and now it's the offense. So right. it's a whole different formula. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, great job on the ownership, proving that they, right. they can do it however they need to right, put right. it together. Yeah, absolutely, and and getting just enough. You know, I wouldn't say that their pitching is you know subpar, you know, down mm-hmm. towards the bottom, but they're getting enough from their pitching. Yeah. But their offense is helping their pitching sport, now yeah. too, you know. So it's they're they're doing it on on both sides there. But you know, definitely the the offense is is leading them here. So all right, um, who's not hot? I'm gonna again. I'm not gonna pick a team. Right. I'm gonna give you the whole American League Central division. <laughs> all right, all right. There's one team above, above 500, 500. The Twins yeah. leading it 
27 and 17. Everybody else is below 500. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, that's a, the American League Central is a dumpster fire right now. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's been kind of that way. I think, you know, trending that way here here of recent. It, it seems to be, yeah, whoever the team is that kind of gets off to a hot start at the beginning of the year is the team that typically does does pretty well there in the, in the American League Central. I mean, the Royals, the Tigers have been, you know, somewhat out of it here the last, you know, several years. And you, you always get, you know, the, the White Sox are always, you know, they, they sometimes get off to kind of a slow start, but then usually find, find a way to, you know, get themselves in the playoffs and, you know, get it, get it going. So, you know, it'd be interesting, obviously. Yeah. You said the twins are, are leading that, that division, but uh, yeah, it's, always uh, interesting that the American league central is, is, you know, you never know what you're, what you're going to get there, but uh, not good this year. Yeah. As far as uh, you know, my, my cold team or team that's not, not playing so well, I, I would say I'm, I'm sticking in the NL East and then I'm going with the, you know, defending champ in the, in the Atlanta Braves um, mm-hmm. and uh, sitting at, at 20 and 23 um, third. And that's good for third in the American in the NL East actually. So, yeah. Uh, you know, they're, they're a couple games below 500, but still in the hunt to, you know, be leading their division. So, but, you know, but the I, Mets are playing so good. They're already seven and a half games on a first. Place, right. So. I think, uh, you know, if you, if you look at it, you know, you talk about how the Mets are playing so well on the offensive side of the ball, the, the, the coin flip there, you got the, the Braves who are not playing so hot on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, 18th and runs scored 21st in hits 23rd in team batting average. Mm. And, and even you can't even look at their pitching. They're they're twentieth in team ERA at almost four four ERA, mm. and they're giving up the sixth most walks in in, in the MLB. <laughs> so just not you know nothing to really say like there's a shining light on the team right now. But I will say, you know, about this time last year, they were sitting at about the same record as they got now, mm-hmm. and look what happened. Right. I mean, they they got red hot at the right time right after the All Star break. And and you know we're able to obviously make a make a stand in the playoffs and, and win a World Series. So we'll see if that if they can continue that magic. But uh, obviously we got yeah a, a lot of games to go here in the in the MLB regular season. But the Braves are are putting themselves in an early hole. And you know I don't know lightning doesn't always usually strike twice. So we'll we'll <laughs> see what uh, what happens with with the Braves. So well, as bad as some of those teams are playing, I don't think they can top the team I'm about to bring up, and that's the team in Ohio, the Cincinnati Reds. <laughs> yeah. Worst record. I didn't want to go there. But. Major League Baseball at 12 and 30. They're, they're not hitting the ball. They're not pitching well. They're not doing anything good. <laughs> yeah. It's it's ugly baseball all the way around. It's not even fun to watch. My my favorite team, the Chicago Cubs, who aren't playing very good this year at all either. <laughs> right. Just, you know, took it to the Reds in a couple of games series. So yeah. it, the, the Reds just, they got a long way to go. To, and, and, you know, they showed some flashes of being a, a potentially good team last year. I, yeah, I think I, that they – I mean, uh, they had some movement in the yeah. offseason. Some guys went out. But, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I had I had some hopes for the Reds to start turning things around. Right. And, After and last a little year, better. they, yeah. they you know, already put themselves in a 15-game hole. So Yeah, they, they are definitely – all those assets that they traded away are obviously, you know, were pretty critical pieces. I mean, a lot of their pitching, you know, a couple of their good hitters, they, they traded away. So it almost seems to me like, you know, this may be what we Rebuild should have time. expected, right. I guess, from the Reds based on what they what they did. But uh, yeah. even yeah. even with that, I think even the expectations are even lower than, than you know, <laughs> this this is like a historically bad start. So it's it's, you know, I think that, yeah, they. Even if you're a Reds fan, I think you were expecting maybe a little bit better than what they're putting out there. I mean, this almost looks like a you know a minor league team sometimes that they're putting out there. So 
But Brady, uh, you got anything you want to add in here on any of this? Yeah, I'd have to go with Matt on this one. The games I have caught of the Reds have always been dumpster fire. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's it's be 15 to 1, yeah, you know, yeah, 13 yeah. to 2. Yeah, it's I mean, just it's, sad to watch. Right. Such a, it's such like a historic – I mean, they've had historic good teams, but, God, nowadays they got it's historic just – historic bad teams. Yeah, 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 I was going to say, nowadays <laughs> they're just bad. Yeah, it, it's not looking good for the All teams. Right, who now. you got as a hot player? Um, well, I'm going to, going to move out, out West here. I got, uh, the man in, in San Diego, the third baseman, Manny, Manny Machado playing, playing well for, for San Diego. Mm -hmm. They're, they're sitting at second there in the, in the NL West in a division that's always tough. I think when I looked at the standings, there's only, there's only one team that's below 500 in that, in that division. And that's the Rockies. And they're only like a game or two out of, out of 500. So that, that division is always, always tough with, Obviously, the Dodgers are always good. You got the Dodgers, the Padres, the Giants, the Diamondbacks are even playing halfway decent, and then the Rockies are, are are competing out there. So, just a tough division. But yeah, I think Machado there for for the Padres, um, fourth in, in in the MLB in runs scored, first in hits, and uh, first in in batting average, almost batting four hundred there for for the Padres. So if he can keep that keep that going, I think that will you know help the Padres maybe compete with the Dodgers to you know potentially knock them off the NL West title there and. You know, obviously they the, the Padres are looking to do a little more damage than just win a you know a division title. They're, they're looking they to make some noise, win yeah. some noise, or you know make some noise in the playoffs. So yeah, you know I I, I picked my uh, way too early MVP so far, and yeah. Manny Machado did he made my NL MVP list. Okay. Right. You know, so but for the AL, I'm going right now with Aaron Judge. He's batting 314, got 17 home runs, 34 RBIs. Yeah. I mean, he's just he's raking. He's best player on the best team in MLB. You know, that, he's definitely my way too early AL MVP. Right. I'm going to go a different route with my hot guy. I'm going with Justin Verlander. Okay. You know, uh, he's Good on team, the yeah. Houston Astros that has, you know, are leading the American League West, um, sitting at, at uh, 28 and 16, and, and he's just tearing it up at 39 years old. Yeah. He's 6-1 and one with a 1.22 ERA. Man, the I guy mean, has found the fountain of yeah, youth. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean – He's, re he's almost like rejuvenated his career because he, you know, towards the end there in Detroit, you thought, man, maybe this is this is it. Maybe maybe he moves into more of kind of a, a relief guy, right, or you right. know, then he goes to the Astros and it's like he, yeah, like I said, he found the fountain of youth and he, he's pitching well for him. Yeah, yeah, I think it says, says something to say about you know when you got other greatness around you, right? It makes you right. elevate yeah. your game. But, where, I mean, Detroit when you're only giving up. An ERA of one point two. I mean, you're giving your chance to a team a chance to win absolutely. every night. Right. Every absolutely. time you step he's, on the he's mound, definitely so. doing his part. Yeah, so yeah, you know, the, the Astros hitter just gotta gotta go out there and do theirs. Yeah, so so. Yeah. all right, my not so hot. I gotta go with Marcus Simeon from the Rangers. I mean, right. He was traded to the Rangers from Toronto last year. Mm -hmm. He hit forty five home runs for Toronto last year. So far this year. The big goose egg, <laughs> um, you know, and he got a seven-year, hundred seventy-five million dollar contract Ouch. to come play second base, and mm -hmm. um, one point seven seven, you know, our, our batting, uh, average. batting average, yeah. only nine RBIs, yeah. um, you know, and this is a guy of of one hundred ninety-five players that have had a hundred plate hundred plate appearances this year. He ranks one ninety-four. <laughs> yeah, that's not that's not where you want to be sitting, yeah, especially so, after that big deal. <laughs> right. So, I, I to me that you know, and, and the Rangers are struggling. I think they're sitting in third, maybe. Uh, yeah, stick. I just looked it up. Actually, yeah, they're only at eighteen and twenty-three. So, yeah, you know, yeah. that money they spent obviously is not buying them a 
buying him a big bat right now and moving him up in the standings. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, cold player for me is, is another guy that, that got a, a big deal and, and, and is not producing to match that money. And that's, that's Javier Baez, the shortstop from, from the, the Detroit Tigers right now. He's, he's currently only, he's only scored 10 runs for, for his team. Good for 231st in the, in the league, uh, 172nd in hits and uh, only 178th in, in RBIs. Uh, his batting average is almost 200, uh, but you know, similar to similar to Simeon, there he, he just got a a new six-year, 140 million dollar deal deal with the Tigers, and obviously they they brought him in to you know be be a guy that could bring some offense to him or you know spark for him uh, you know on the offensive side of the ball. And I know it's tough, you know the Tigers obviously are I don't know probably 14, 15 games below 500, but. You know, they, they don't, you know, even the, the guy that they thought would be a gem for him is, is not producing for him. And it, it, it's just tough. So. Yeah, I mean, they, I think they brought him in really more for his glove than mm-hmm. his back because he didn't really produce that much on the offensive side with the Mets last year. Mm-hmm. He really hasn't done much on the offense since he was with the Chicago Cubs and mm-hmm. had that magical run to the World Series there. Yeah. But other than that, I, I think Baez has really trended down on the mm-hmm. offensive side of things, but his defense is still second to none in yeah. this league. And I, yeah. I I think that that at least helps justify that contract a a little bit. Yeah, I would say it's tough, obviously, when you're the Tigers, because, I mean, I would assume that their pitching staff is not very, not very good. So they're going to give up quite a few runs. So you got to try to get produce some more runs as much as you can. So, you know, a guy that, you know, has had, you know, flashes of being an offensive guy or, you know, having some, some decent offense, it, it, you know, it's tough because, uh, you know, when when you pay that big money for for a guy just to be you know a solely defensive player, it can be yeah. it can be tough to sit there and eat that eat that money and say, man, we're not getting anything out of, out of him on the offensive side of the ball. So, yeah. <clears throat> so uh, who do you guys got for your way too early World Series prediction? I, I myself, I'm going Subway Series Yankees okay. Mets. All right, yeah. I think I think I gotta I gotta agree, Matt. Okay, yeah, I I think you know I think the Yankees are are playing hot. I do like them in the in the American League, but. You know, I think in the National League, I think it's going to be somebody that comes out of that NL West. I think, you know, maybe the potential, you know, the Padres could be kind of a dark horse there if they can keep, you know, keep the momentum going here early on in the season. But, you know, the Dodgers, man, they, they you know, they're going to be their, their team too. is always good yeah. no matter. And I mean, they're essentially got the same team that they had, you know, when they made the World Series last year. Right. So it's, yeah. it's, you know, or didn't make the World Series, but had a run at the World Series last year. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, I think that they're always going to be be a contender there there in the NL. Um, but yeah, I mean the Mets Mets are playing well. I mean they haven't had you know as much playoff experience as some of these other teams we're talking right. about. So we'll see if they can keep that going when it comes playoff time time. But obviously we got a long yeah, season go. ahead of us. <laughs> like so. I said, way too early. Right, right. 162 games. Brayden, yeah. what you got? I was going to say, give me the two hottest hitters right now: Aaron Judge over in New York, and then give me Manny Machado down in San, or San Diego. All right, there think. you go. Yep. All right. I like it. I like it. All right. On to uh, the frozen tundra, as you will. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the fight for Lord Stanley's Cup in the NHL. One series is already over because Tampa Bay absolutely <laughs> annihilated the wow. other team for Florida. <laughs> the, I mean, the best team in hockey. Yeah. The team eliminated them. Yeah. Just swept four them. Games. Easily. Yeah. 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 You know, and the goaltender, Andre Vasilevsky, is freaking hot right now yeah. 981 say you know 981 save percentage right now and just mm-hmm. i mean i don't know what else you can say about tampa bay right now we'll right. just have to see whether they face the rangers or carolina in that next 
in that next series that's tied at two to two. I don't even think it matters. I, yeah. I don't either. I, the Lightning are, it, it, I, you know, Lightning's going to strike three times. I, <laughs> I'm almost positive. Yeah. The, it, the only question here is, could could rest actually be a, a negative? A deterrent. You know, you know, we've talked about that on the show before, and other, not just hockey, that you know. When a team's hot, you want to keep playing. Yeah. So, so does the layoff hurt you or help you? Yeah, I don't know. I think, I think maybe, I think you maybe have to look at a team, you know, like a young, a young team that's mm-hmm. hot, and, and then you know, you got obviously Tampa Bay, who's you know a staple here in the playoffs and pretty much a staple in the Stanley Cup at this point. Right. Um, I think for them, because of them being such a veteran team that has been here before, yeah, I don't think that I don't think the layoff will hurt them that bad. They've been in this spot before. Mm-hmm. They know what it takes. Uh, I think that they'll they'll be okay. There may be some signs of rust maybe in the in the first game, but you yeah. know I, I thought the same thing. You know, in, in game one they came out kind of rusty, but obviously they yeah. they took game one four to one, so right. it, it didn't really matter. It didn't take long to shake. Right, it off, right. So. so I think a veteran right. team like the like the Lightning here, and just you know the dominance not only on the offensive side, they got but, a lot of confidence, but right but on now, the defensive yeah. side. I yeah. mean, this was a, a Panthers team that came in leading the NHL in goals per game at a little over four goals mm-hmm. per game. They scored three total games yeah. in four in four yeah. to, in four games. Yeah, and, four and, goal, yeah. yeah. less than average, less than a goal a game. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. And so it, it just you know, I think in, in, in a season where the NHL has scored, uh, the goals through, are up. Yeah, through sixty-seven playoff games, the average you know, score has been six and a quarter. Right. You know, right. Goals a game, and so far through the playoffs. So right. Yeah, what Tampa Bay did to Florida was, and uh, I think it gives that team so much confidence mm-hmm. when they know that they got that guy in in the goal yeah, that like is going to stop everything. Like a wall it, yeah, there. they 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 can take extra yeah. risks. They can take extra chances knowing that they got that defensive help yeah. there in the in So the who game. do you like, you know, like we said they're either going to go against the Rangers or Carolina. And that series is tied 2 to 2. Um the Hurricanes are 6 and 0 oh at home this postseason and you know they're going we're going back going back to Raleigh. So mm-hmm. so what do you think? Yeah, I think this is going to be interesting. Obviously, I think uh, momentum is back on the on the Rangers side because, you know, even though Carolina, you know, won both of those games in in Carolina, they were still somewhat competitive games, mm-hmm. you know, close games, 2 to 1 in overtime in game 1 and then a 2 nothing victory in game game 2, but game 3 and 4 was kind of an absolute dominance by by the Rangers, 3 to 1 in game 3 and 4 to 1 in game game 4. Yeah, and so this I, was a team I didn't think was going to get out of the out of the first round. Yeah, I mean, I've I've been kind of hot on them. I mean, I've I've said that they were kind of a dark Course here in the east to, to potentially make a Stanley Cup run, and they're they're proving me right so far. We'll see if that that trend mm-hmm. can continue. But yeah, I would definitely say you know, like you said, Carolina's six and zero at home, but they're zero and five on the road. So it's yeah. it's one of those things. Obviously, they got the home you know home ice advantage if if it does happen to yeah. go Game Seven. But you just you you would have liked them to put up a better fight in New York than, yeah. than what they did. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's definitely trending in the wrong direction for Carolina and and. New York is trending in the right right direction. Yeah, but but you just said it earlier. Carolina's six and zero at home in the playoffs here. So I mean, for for somebody to win this series, they're going to have to win one on the away ice. Yeah, because I, I I think if it goes seven, I think New York can can steal one on the away. I don't think New York's going to take this one. Okay, I, I, th- I think uh, or Carolina wins Game Five. It okay. goes back to New York and. You know, they win. It, they win game then, six. Then, then can Carolina steal that victory, okay. or does it go to seven? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, in the other one, you got St. Louis against Colorado, and that series is three to one. And not only that, that that series, but I think St. Louis is in real big trouble here. Mm-hmm. They got goalie issues. Oh yeah. You yep. know the 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 
the rookie Huso that played so good at the end of the season was pulled, you know, in game four against the Wild after allowing nine goals in two games. Yep. In games two and three in that series, only had a save percentage of 847. Mm-hmm. So they put Bennington in there and the, the team rallied around him. They wound up, you know, getting past the Wild, but now he's down, he's injured. And, and, and not coming back at all. And for not, this series. He's done for the series. Yep. You know, and Huso's back in there. He's 0 2 again with an 847 and giving up almost five goals a game. Yeah. So yeah. Absolutely. I think St. Louis is in real trouble here, yeah. Dallas. Yeah. yeah. I think this thing ends with game five. I, th- I think it's, it's over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, two, uh, what are they going, excuse me, going back to Colorado? Um, yeah, you know, was... the Avalanche up three to one. They, they, you know, have looked good in the last two games. I mean, five to two in game three and, and, and in game four, they won six to three. So definitely getting a lot more offense from, from, you know, the Colorado Avalanche, the, the blues don't look like they have the firepower, not only the firepower, but then you look at their defense with the, with the goalie issues and not mm-hmm. being able to stop, you know, scoring and things like that. It, it's, yeah. it's not a good, uh, no one, two punch to, to win too many games there, there for them. So I, I think, yeah, game five, it ends ends tonight. Uh, that game is, is tonight at 8 o'clock okay. Eastern I, time. I agree. I think it's over tonight. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, the last game, or the last series that's still going on, the Calgary Flames against the Edmonton Oilers. Um, they're, the Flames are down 3-1 to one against Edmonton. Um, you know, to me, the turning point in this was, you know, late – in game two, late in the game, they, they scored a sh- shorthanded goal mm-hmm. uh, to tie it up, um, yeah. and that you know, to, and that to break actually to break a three three tie. Yeah. In the third period, and after that, uh, I don't think either one of these teams has looked the same. Mm-hmm. Edmonton's looked like the team to beat. The team to beat, <laughs> and, and Calgary is just has just looked awful. Yeah, yeah. It seems like uh, you know Calgary has been you know ever since that game one, and I just think. Even with that game one victory, not scoring nine goals yeah, is nine not sustainable. Sixes, it's not yeah. sustainable. I mean, especially because you know Edmonton is gonna be able is capable of scoring six goals in in, a, in every night. So for Calgary to really do well, they had to play well on the defensive side. And and, and through the next three games, in game two, game three, and game four, they've looked lost on the defense. And, and Edmonton has just looked, you know, clicking on all cylinders like a well oiled machine when it comes to comes to the offense and, and it's because of the big the big three for them on that offensive side and in Connor McDavid Leon Leon Dreisaitl and Evan Kander Evander Kane combined for has combined for 16 points in the last two games so the big three for them has really you know pushed them over and, and I think that this game I think Calgary you know next game is, is game five that's tomorrow night they play each other I think it's uh I think it's over. I think it's done. So um, I think that they uh, get it get it done in Game Five, and and uh, I think it's it's over for for Calgary. Edmonton's just got too much offense for them. Yeah, I, I'll tell you this: this series has really kind of thrown me for a loop because going into this thing, Calgary had the third best uh, defensive goal play this season uh, compared to Edmonton, who had the 18th in all of mm-hmm. hockey. So yeah. I mean. You know, Calgary is playing so much better on the on the defensive side of things. Right, so, coming into this, yeah. you thought, okay, you know, be all right, or you know, they'll be able to limit the opportunities, but they just have have not. Yeah, I, I think they've given up as many goals in this series as they have all season right, long. Right, it seems right, like right, I mean, right, yeah. they just you know, Edmonton's scoring at will. But if Calgary can find that defense and and, and work their way back into this, right? You, you know, they, I, I think they can still make it a series. Mm-hmm. 
it's just I I, I think um, I do think Edmonton's going to end up winning this thing. I, I think it goes six or seven though. I, I do think Calgary finds their defense. Okay, and, okay, and it stays in this thing a little but bit they, longer. They do go back to back to Calgary, you know, now um, in, in Game Five, so they would, you know, somewhat have home ice, if you will, yeah. even though both these teams are like not that far apart from each other, just down the road. I mean, they call this one the the Battle of Alberta, is All what right. the you know what they call this series. So it uh, will be will be interesting. Um, but yeah, I just think. Too much, too much offense right now for Edmonton. I think Calgary is really gonna, you know, and in the playoffs, it's it's really hard to make adjustments on the fly kind yeah. of deal. So like if you if you don't figure it out, it, it's kind of tough to make those make those adjustments. So, but it does help Calgary. They're capable of that yeah, defense. Absolutely. It's not something that's totally new to them. Um, but it just yeah, a lot of firepower. They got a limit there for for Edmonton. So. All right. Well, then, uh, yeah, we're we're moving on over then to to the hardwood and uh, kind of our last topic of the night, and we'll we'll talk the Eastern and Western Conference uh, finals, and we'll start there with with the game that's uh, going to be playing tonight, and that's the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics tied two to two. Matt, what, what yeah. do you what do you got for I'll this? Say, I, this is probably Braden's wheelhouse here. If he wants to lead things off with the with the Miami Heat Boston Celtics, what do you think? Yeah, yeah I can't. So uh, I just came in a little bit ago that Tyler Hero is going to be out tonight, so I think okay. that's a big. Uh, killer towards yeah, the heater yeah. and he's a great off the bench i mean he's one of the probably the best six man in the league oh, yeah, right now yeah, yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. probably be a starter on any other team absolutely. right yeah and i think yeah. he you know he gets you know somewhat starter minutes but yeah i mean based on miami's showing their starters showing in game four where they combined for 18 points in in that game oh, all five starters yeah what the heck? scored for 18 points it hurts to not have your best guy that's coming off the bench, you know, out for tonight, knowing that your starters, what are you going to get here in game five? So. Right. And you got Jimmy Butler, who's, who is, he's banged up. He went out, he went out that last game. He is back. He's playing tonight, but right. what is he a hundred percent? How yeah. close to a hundred percent is he? How right. effective he, will he He's be? a competitor though. Oh, yeah. Jimmy oh, Butler, absolutely. Right. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's funny because, um, you know, Boston has done it by, you know, huge leads, you know, the game four, they, like you said, jumped out to 18 to one and, and Miami just could never recover. But right. I don't know. I think maybe some stats here you might be interesting to get the talk going here. Game five winners in a two to two series wind up winning a series eighty two percent of the time. Wow. So Definitely so a this crucial is, game yeah, for big both game. teams. Yeah, big game. And then the Heat are nine and six um in two two ties in the fifth game. Okay. But Boston is an incredible thirty four and thirteen. Wow. wow. <laughs> in uh you know, in series in game five in a series tied two to two. So you know, you know, I don't know. I, I, I think Colton called it, you know, Boston just to me looks like the team to be. Yeah, they, they are, you know, complete. I think a com- more complete team or at least. Yeah. This has been the, a great series. Yeah, though. yeah, I think it's been it's been one of those things that you don't really know what you're going to yeah. get because it's been teams <laughs> that have dominated each other. It's, it's been, you know, it, both, all games have been, you know, the Heat dominate the Celtics. Game two, the Celtics dominate the Heat. Game three, the Heat dominate the Celtics. Yeah. And in game four, the Celtics dominate the Heat. So it's, it's one of those things, whoever gets out to a big lead in the first well, quarter. Yeah, because I think I read there's only been one lead change in this whole series. Right. That was That's it. absolutely amazing. That was in the <laughs> first quarter, I think the first quarter maybe of game two or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was one one lead change in this whole series. Right. And that, you know, against two teams that, you know, obviously. Are the two best teams the Two in best East, teams in the East. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah, and, and you thought, you know, maybe – I know a lot of people coming into this thought this was going to be not that it hasn't been competitive because obviously we're tied two to two, but you know, just thought the games would be a little bit tighter or whatever, but it has not been. It's been 
The team that gets off the hot start in the first quarter is the team that usually takes it. Carries so it the I think a big factor through. of that, though, is Jimmy Butler's health. I mean, you yeah, literally oh, yeah. have the NBA playoff MVP so far. Yeah, he's right. playing well, at But now you got Marcus Smart, man, yeah. you know, banged up from the for the from Celtics. The, you know, the best defender in the league, probably. Um, yeah. So yeah. Obvi- and the best defender in the playoffs. Right. Right. So you know, we'll see what happens with that. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think uh, you know something we we didn't mention. You know that in, in Game Four, and you know a guy that. You know, we don't talk about a whole lot. And that, that's Al Horford for, for the Celtics. Yeah. I mean, he's been banged up a little bit for the Celtics. But, you know, in that game four, he, I mean, he only had five points. He shot two times from the field, went one of two from the field. But I think the stats that we that we should be looking at is 13 rebounds and, and four, four blocks. So yeah, just doing a guy doing, doing the dirty work mm-hmm. and, and going in there and letting other yep, people. Down there in the, you know, down there in the paint, doing some hard work down there. Right. Which and I, is, think, I, I think we, we watched the game together, and I saw him out there at the three-point line trying mm-hmm. to shoot lots of threes. And I right. said, what is he doing out there? <laughs> yeah. he, he needs to get his big body in the middle mm-hmm. and do what he's supposed to be and that's doing. That's what right. they did. And, and you know, that, that's, it's great to see him making that adjustment and, and getting him where he needs to be. And I think a big a big thing, you know, we talk about the other other big man for, for the Celtics who's been, you know, banged up in this series, um, and that's Robert Williams for the Celtics. Yeah. And he's, I think, for me, has been the difference maker in that game three and game four because if you look at game three, Bam Adebayo came out of nowhere, scored almost 30 points in that, in that game three victory for the Heat and just looked like, an absolute dominant force. Nobody had an answer. Nobody could stop him. Yeah. And and Robert Williams was out for that game. Comes back in game four, Adebayo, you know, trims back to being his normal self or, you know, even below average for, mm-hmm. for him. So I yeah. think a big thing, you know, they got to – both these teams are dealing with so many injuries of, you know, they don't even know who they're going to throw out there, yeah. you know, on any given night. So I think that's another thing that both these teams are trying to deal with. But, yeah, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting game five, like I said, tonight. So yeah. – it could be could be who wins this series, like right. Dad said. Yeah, so. could be a yep. All right, so the other other series still going on is the Mavs and the, and Golden State. You know, everybody knows Mavs are down three to one. They've had some big save their season last night. Yeah, saved <laughs> their season. You know, with a with a ten point win last night. Um, but it, but Dallas is probably they've had leads, uh, big leads at times, uh-huh. and you know, not been able to hold it. And even last night they were up by twenty nine, uh-huh. and and with the Basically, the second unit in there. Um, they got know, it down to single digits. They got digits. it down to eight points mm-hmm. with 322 left. And all of a sudden, the, you know, the Golden State's like, heck, we're still in this thing. They threw all their starters back in. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, tried to. Try to know, make a run. Try to Probably should have kept the backups in. They were yeah. Just I, yeah. yeah. Do, keep Whatever. Them Sometimes yeah. you outthink yourself as a coach, I think. But, <laughs> uh, you know, like game two, they were up 72 to 58 at halftime. But. Mm-hmm. Only, you know, then got outscored 45 to 68 in the second half. So, mm-hmm. yeah, just uh, – and I don't know if it is, you know, uh, uh, just getting tired because they're not as deep, right. you know, as Golden State, you know, um, or, you know, Doncic, their leading scorer, you know, maybe tired out and not get – but he did get some help in this last game, and mm-hmm. I think that was the key. That, that, I think that's right. the key for the Mavericks. You know, Finney Smith, period. Finney yeah. Smith, you know, gets 23 points. Uh, Dorian Finney-Smith gets 23 points, and Reggie Bullock hit six threes to have 18 to help. So, right, after yeah. he didn't score a single point in the previous game. So. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, that's that's going to be the key. There's never been a team come back from 3-0, you know. Yeah. Is this the year? I don't uh, think so. Yeah, I just I, I don't I don't see it. I mean, yeah. I don't see it. But yeah. you know, you know they, give the Mavs credit for not giving up last night. Right, right. You know, obviously got to go back to back to Golden State here to yeah. you know have a tough tough game five. I mean that that game's tomorrow night uh, at nine o'clock. So right. we'll see if the Mavericks can keep their keep their season alive or whatever. But yeah, like like you said, no 
no teams come back from a 3-0 deficit. And there's only been three out of a possible 146 teams that have even forced a game seven. So after being down three, yeah. So yeah. it's it's gonna be gonna be yeah. a tall task. And you know, I think this Golden State team is kind of a a complete team, if yeah. you will. I mean, they oh. they can get scoring from yeah. just about anybody, or you know, and then they play defense too. They're they're a hard nosed yeah. defensive team. They can they can beat you in multiple ways. I feel like they they can go on that where they score 130 a night and, and you know outscore you or grind they, the game out but they can get ugly and get you know beat you 90 to 85 right, right. Yeah. and beat you in a low scoring game so yeah. i think definitely the mavericks have got their hands full i think at this point the only way the mavericks continue Doncic obviously got to keep doing what he's doing but they have to continue to keep getting some some help some scoring help from from the other guys on the team or it's going to be you know, lights out for the Mavericks. Yeah, I just I feel like the Warriors have been kind of playing this whole series on cruise control, and the Mavericks have been playing like their hair's on fire. Right. You know, they're putting they're, all their effort yeah, into as, it as much yeah. as they can. And right. I, I think your dad hit it on the head. I, I think they they get they get a little wore down towards the end of the game, and you know you, you, when you're hoisting all those threes, you got tired legs. <laughs> right. I just see I see here. five guys standing at the three point line. That's yep. that's Dallas's offense. Right. Wait, they wait don't for either Doncic you know, to do something or, or, or you know or maybe or Brunson hoist. at times can can maybe uh, you know Create drive something. and drive and, and pass, but yeah, just way too much standing around at the three point line. And right. Especially and they haven't really shot that well. No. Be different if you were shooting. You know, high forties or something from the three. You know, yeah. but they're just not. So right. I yeah. will say that is what helped them in Game Four, though, to win it. Oh yeah, they no shot doubt. almost forty-seven percent from twenty-threes in that game, and that, and that seems to be their mo. This yeah. this live you know this NBA playoffs has been yeah. you know live and die, and I mean even their coaches mentioned it that yeah. you know they've lived and die, and I think a lot of those big leads that they've had has been they've died by the three ball. Yeah. They, they've you know. Stood out there, shot threes. Ball They're not away. the first half. They were all going down, and the second half they went ice cold. And you know, Golden State just chipped away at it. And before you know it, you're deer in the headlights. Like, oh goodness, here we get go. That momentum yeah. back. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really kind of reminds you of a, a college team in March Madness. You right. know, yeah. the same thing: live and die by the three. <laughs> yeah, it, it, you get kind of that feel from them. Right, 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 absolutely. All right, well, that's our show for tonight. Uh, it was great having Braden back in the studio. Uh, he's getting ready to. Graduate from high school this Friday, so congratulations to our fourth musketeer. Of the year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. Moving on to bigger things, he's uh, been accepted to Ohio State for this freshman quarter. So awesome, awesome. Yep, yep. can't yep. wait. So, uh, yeah, looking looking for big things out of my nephew here. So, <laughs> all right. Um, you know, next week I think we're coming at you next week on Wednesday, and we'll let Colton uh, do the do the sign out. Yeah, absolutely. So thanks for listening up to Fired Up with your host Colton Cal, Chief Rob Cal. <clears throat> The kid, Braden Boyd, Matt Cordes. Uh, we hope you enjoyed our episode this week. And, uh, you know, if you want to hear other topics for future episodes or, you know, just got a burning sports question you want to hear us talk about on the show, uh, you know, feel free to reach out to us on our Instagram at uh, fired up underscore podcast, or you can find us over on Facebook at uh, fired up comma sports cast. So sports podcast. So, uh, you know, we're, we're getting to a point in, you know, where kind of the, the uh, sports season's kind of running down here. You know, some of the bigger sports are, starting to end their season. So we're, we're going to need some, some topics to talk about here over, over the summer. So we'd love to hear from our fans about, you know, what you, what you think, or, you know, some, some burning sports questions that have been on your mind. Maybe so, some off top, off out of the norm stuff. Right. Right. So uh, we, we appreciate you guys, you know, reaching out to us. So, and as always, you can head over to our website, which is uh fired up one.podbean.com where find all of our past episodes and, you know, find out a little bit of information about, about the show. But, uh, 
As always, you can find our find our show on any podcast platform you can possibly think of: Google, Apple, Spotify, Pandora. So anywhere where you can listen to a podcast, you can you can find our show. So appreciate you guys guys listening, and as always, stay, stay fired, fired up. up.